Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, June 19th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we have so much news to get to today. I'm just going to give you some actual like little bits of news before we get to the main part of the news. Because at the stroke of 8 a.m. this morning, the producers of Pretty Woman announced a superfecta of news, including mm. the cast of the upcoming German production, which... I am assuming by law must be called Pretty Woman Das Musical. The the fact that the show will open in the West End in 2020. Also, the announcement that the national tour will launch in Providence, Rhode Island in October 2020. And that all four productions, Germany, London, the tour, and New York, will now include the Roy Orbison classic, Oh Pretty Woman. They say that this is being done in celebration of the 50th anniversary of the song's relief release, but I kind of feel like there's more to that story than they're sharing, Ashley. Either way, they don't go into details into how it'll be incorporated, but I'm assuming it's just going to be like the new Curtain Call song or something like the Mamma Mia Mega Mix at the end. Oh, I hope so. If they're trying to work it into the show, I, <laughs> I just... It's truly the most unnecessary decision otherwise. Well, I wouldn't have minded if they did it at the beginning, but it seems weird to do it a year into the run. And actually, actually, you and I you and I saw the show together uh, yes. last year. So uh, I don't know where they would do it or how it would work, but whatever. It's a great song. Yeah, agreed. So a lot of big news happened yesterday as far as shows coming to Broadway. And first up, the hardest working man in showbiz, Lin-Manuel Miranda, had an announcement last night on The Tonight Show. Yeah, I don't know if it was technically last night or this morning, depending on where it fell in the show. But this is one of the reasons why we are coming to you a little bit later in the morning than normal. We didn't hold for the Pretty Woman news, I, I can tell you. Um, but yeah, he <laughs> made a big announcement on uh, Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show, in addition to taking a spin on the Wheel of Freestyle, which... Uh, I'm sure it was great. But anyway, he made a huge announcement. It's not who is going to be playing Camilla in the In the Heights movie. But instead, he announced that his hip-hop improv crew, Freestyle Love Supreme, will be coming to Broadway following a sold-out run off-Broadway earlier this year. The one-of-a-kind show will begin performances at the Booth Theater on September 13th and will open on October 2nd. As it did off-Broadway, the show's main crew will include Andrew Bancroft, a.k.a. Jelly Donut, Arthur Lewis, a.k.a. Arthur the Genius, Tony and Emmy winner Bill Sherman, a.k.a. King Sherman, Chris Sullivan, a.k.a. Shockwave, Anthony Venezial, a.k.a. Two-Touch, and Utkarsh Ambudkar, a.k.a. UTK. However, there will be special guests popping in regularly, including some names that you might be familiar with, other Freestyle Love Supreme members, Lin-Manuel Miranda, David Diggs, Chris Jackson, James Monroe Iglehart, and more. The show is produced by Lynn, Tommy Kale, who also directs, and by Two Touch. Uh, Ashley, I am generally not what I would describe as an improv kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Just generally, I don't. it doesn't work for me, and that kind of stuff generally makes me uncomfortable and awkward. But anyway, uh, Freestyle of Supreme had a TV show uh, before Hamilton started to the public, so that must have been 2014, on a cable network called Pivot, which I don't think exists anymore. Right. But, I, but I thought it was great. It was a, a lot of fun. Um, it's improv, so not everything worked, um, but it definitely was something that you weren't going to see anywhere else. And I sure. think with the chance 
to see Lynn maybe show up at one of these things, I think it's going to sell really well. It was completely sold out off-Broadway with extensions. Um, obviously, this is a much bigger house at the booth, but mm-hmm. I think that this is going to be really successful. I do, too. And as you said, any show where Lynn is, the, you know, the occasion of him showing up is a possibility. It's definitely going to sell. I have the same experience with improv in that, you know, I went to NYU. So I was basically required by law to go to an improv show once a week. So I'm still kind of getting over that bad (laughs) improv taste in my mouth, but I'm really excited about this. And, you know, for any of the maybe negative things we can say about certain decisions on Broadway, I think this is shaping up to be a really interesting upcoming season. There are so many shows I would never expect to see. Lin-Manuel is one of very few celebrities I would give like my kingdom for. So I'm pretty sure you have a kingdom. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler. Not your horse. You're keeping your horse. (laughs) I'm keeping my horse, but he can have my kingdom. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think this season is is shaping up to be honestly a, a fantastic season. Like I know we don't really know some of these new shows or new plays how they're going to shake out, but just looking at the list of shows that we know are already coming in mm-hmm. and the things that are I'm going to say rumored to be coming, like it's really a, a cornucopia of quality. And uh, you know, a lot of people I think have issues with like the Darren Brown secret thing sure. or this coming because they're not theater but like those are things that bring a somewhat different audience and and shows that theater doesn't necessarily have to be the straight narrative form that we uh, associate with like you know euripides or something like i i think that this is these are good things to show that theater doesn't have to be one thing it can be a lot of different things and we're going to talk about a show here in a little bit that is mm-hmm. very much not it is very much theater, but it's very much bucking the trends of what we know. So I think whatever form that takes, that's a good thing. Agreed. And, you know, I'm sure the producers of any of these new shows <laughs> might not agree as much, but I think it's exciting to have these new shows that we don't know what's going to happen with them. Totally. Now, this before we get to the next thing, this is only tangentially related, but on Monday night, Off Center, part of Encores, hosted a kind of a preview for next week's run of working, and it included performances uh, by some people that we just mentioned, including Freestyle Love Supreme member C-Jack, Christopher Jackson, uh, as well as Stephen Schwartz, Susan Birkenhead, and Craig Carnelia. Those last three all sang their own songs. And Matteo Farah, who is co-starring and working with Chris Jackson, he was singing one of the more recently added songs to the show that Lin-Man wrote. Uh, we will have clips for all of those uh, performances, little short, like minute, minute and a half clips in the show notes. Check those out. I've said before, I love working and I'm really sad I'm not going to get to see this, but yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that show and I'm a big fan of everybody in this cast. Yeah. The other show that, as you mentioned, we heard about yesterday is something that was most recently at the public, Girl from the North Country. Yes, finally it announced that it's coming to Broadway. I know that a lot of people were lukewarm on this show, Ashley, but I really, really liked it. <laughs> Myself uh, included. You were lukewarm on it? Yeah, I was lukewarm Okay, on well, it. we can talk about that. Sure. Um, in, in case, not you, uh, but any of the listeners forget, this was a 
critically acclaimed Olivier Award-winning musical slash play with music that came from the old Vic in London and interpolated some significantly reorchestrated versions of Bob Dylan songs. It's not Bob Dylan's life story, um, but it is set in 1934 Minnesota, where Bob Dylan is from, at a guest house for wayward souls in the height of the Depression. The show played the public theater, as you mentioned, back in 2018, but didn't get the rapturous reviews that I'm sure the producers were hoping for for an immediate Broadway transfer. The rumors that it was actually going to go to the Walter Kerr and then Jordan Roth decided, hey, that Hadestown thing's available. I think that one's going to go in the Kerr instead. Probably a, a good decision at this point, despite mm-hmm. how much I love Girl from the North Country. Um, but anyway, so it's taking a while to get to Broadway. Um, a lot of people, apparently you, Ashley, didn't think that the show had a ton going on. Michael Riedel tried to make it out like it was the most depressing thing ever, which I don't agree with either. Uh, but you all are wrong for whatever reason. You're still wrong. <laughs> um, anyway, on Tuesday, it was announced that the show will begin performances at the Belasco Theater on February 7th with an opening on March 5th. Now, no casting was announced, but we also learned that the show will play Toronto, which had actually been previously announced, just not the dates, um, beginning in September. So I would imagine that that company, whoever ends up in, in Toronto, will be the one to come to Broadway. Uh, already a number of the members from the cast at the public are sharing it on social media, meaning that they're probably still attached, including Colton Ryan and Mark Kudish. Off-Broadway, the show also featured uh, Mar Winningham, Caitlin Houlihan, Todd Almond, Stephen Bagardis, Luba Mason, David Pitu, Jeanette Bayardell, Chelsea Lee Williams, and the person who I thought stole, stole the show, Sidney James Harcourt. Mm. Now, Ashley, like I said, I really appreciated the show and how not jukebox musically it was. Yeah. Um, but I realize that it's not everyone's cup of tea. It is very much that the songs do not push the plot forward. They are more about mood and character and emotion rather than mm-hmm. actually what's going on. And that's why a lot of people consider it a play with music instead. Um, but I hope that they take the opportunity to tweak things in Toronto before it comes back to New York. And I definitely think I should have mentioned the the book was written by Connor McPherson, who also is directing. And I interviewed Mark Kudish before the show in the fall. And he said that McPherson kind of let them play with the characters their own way. He didn't try to impose the template of what they did in London. Uh, I listened to the cast album from London a lot. And there is a bit of a difference in just in the presentation of that from what we saw in New York. It had a Mm. little more joy and buoyancy. And I hope that they can find that to add it into the show, because I think that that if they can, that should probably help at least some of the issues that people had at the public. You said that the London production was more joyful than the one that was in New York? Uh, I, I mean, I just based off of my... I didn't see it, but I just... Just from the music, I thought it was. Okay. See, I haven't seen it since it crossed the pond. I saw Ethanol Coward in the West oh, End. okay. And I wasn't as engaged as I was hoping to be, though. You know, the orchestrations and the main arrangements are quite great. If anything, I enjoyed it as a really great review of Bob Dylan music. And then the play was just, you know, meh. Uh, As you, you know, the book needs work right now for me in the season. It also feels out of place, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have it transferred over, especially because one, it makes more sense for it to be in the U S and for it to be at a theater like the public. I'm not surprised it's going to transfer to Broadway though. 
The one thing I really want to come from it is Sheila Atom, who was in the London cast and who won the Olivia Award for it and who I thought was just remarkable. I want to see her actually make it to the Broadway production. Same with Kieran Hines and Shirley Henderson, who were also terrific. I don't, like I said, I don't know who the casting is going to be, but there definitely sure. are some roles that whether they bring over award winners from London or I think there are a couple roles in this show. In fact, most of the roles in this show, I think you could probably star cast a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to probably need some help. If you just say it's a, it's a Bob Dylan musical with songs that don't exactly sound like Bob Dylan songs. They're not all of Bob Dylan's hits. There's some kind of deep cuts in there and it's set in the depression. Like, I don't know if that's going to sell it on its own. I don't remember who played it. You might've mentioned, um, Syrian Hines, I think might've done it, but the, the mm. Stephen Bogardus p- yeah. role is the, the owner of the, 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 the guest house. I don't know that he sings it all in the show, maybe just some ensemble numbers. Although Stephen Bogardus obviously is a remarkable uh, singer. Right. Um, that's a role that you could probably cast with a star. Um, and there's some true. other parts that I, I think they might need some jazzing up. So um, I, you know, I, I hope the best for this show. I think it's, it's interesting. It's different. It per- pushes the form um, quite a bit. And I appreciate, like I said at the beginning, the fact that it's not like, Hey, we've got, rights to the Bob Dylan catalog. Sure. Let's do Bob Dylan's life story. I don't, I honestly don't think that Bob Dylan would have allowed that. I think that pro- probably the only reason he allowed it to work like this is because it is so different, but mm-hmm. um, I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, this is definitely if they get it right, Tony bait, because this falls much more in line with what Tony voters have been voting for, for best musical uh, than things like Tina, the Tina Turner musical or, um, uh, jagged little pill, you know, those, those big, uh, bigger, uh, jukebox musical type things. Moulin Rouge probably has a better shot because of the spectacle of it. But like, this is like the first one from this season that really feels in line with the band's visit in Hades town and things like that. So, sure. um, I think something like Limpica is going to come in and upset that apple cart and join mm-hmm. that fray. But for now, this definitely seems to be one that if they fix some of the issues, definitely could be one we're talking about come May and June of next year. Especially if you get those bigger cast members in. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of big shows, everyone's talking about Michael R. Jackson's A Strange Loop right now. What have the critics been saying? Yeah, this was actually when I mentioned earlier about a show pushing the form. This is actually the one I was talking about more than uh, uh, than Girl from the North Country. But yeah, uh, A Strange Loop officially opened on Monday night at Playwrights Horizon. It features a book, music and lyrics by Michael R. Jackson. It's directed by Stephen Brackett and choreographed by Raja Feather Kelly. Um, This is a show that has often been described as autobiographical. I mean, we'll get into that a little bit with uh, the reviews. Uh, But I did want to mention it just extended again. So if you don't have tickets and you want to see it, it has been extended through July 28th. So get your tickets from Playwrights Horizons now because I think that they will sell out very quickly. This is another one of those shows that... Sadly, I had tickets too, but couldn't go because I didn't make it to New York. But they actually canceled my performance anyway, uh, because as I mentioned earlier this week, there had been some actor illness. So uh, definitely get a chance to see this if you can. But let's talk uh, about the reviews, Ashley. While Ben Brantley made the show a New York Times critic pick, he didn't give it an unequivocal rave. He starts out his review by saying, quote, Naval gazing becomes a highly invasive procedure, a full-on laparoscopy of the heart, 
soul, and loins in Michael R. Jackson's A Strange Loop. This jubilantly anguished musical burrows so deep into the shadows of its hero's tormented mind that you wonder if it will ever emerge into the light. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. Mr. Jackson, a young playwright and composer whose considerable talent is evidently matched by feelings of endless frustration, has created a show that would appear to be all about him, and it's anything but a valentine. But let's allow Usher, a commandingly centered Larry Owens, the work's central and arguably only character, to describe it himself. And this is a quote from the show. It's about a black queer man writing a musical about a black queer man who's writing a musical about a black queer man who's writing a musical about a black queer man, etc. It's kind of like <laughs> the uh, the black queer version of title of show, I guess. Mm. Uh Anyway, Brantley continues, quote, that Mr. Jackson, a very deft composer and lyricist, thank heavens, is working in a medium of musical comedy gives him another layer of self-consciousness to play with. The theatrical and musical references here are sly and manifold, memorably including the color purple and implicitly company. Mr. Jackson's reinvention of his solipsistic form ultimately stalls against the dead-end wall that is built into its structure. At an intermission-free hour and 45 minutes, the show feels overstretched. So, while Brantley had some good things to say about it, says that there are some issues with it too. Helen Shaw of Time Out New York, though, gave the show five out of five stars, writing, quote, by the end of the radiant, furious, exhausting metamusical A Strange Loop, the show has worn itself it worn itself completely out. The performers totter as they take their bows. There's no leftover curtain call razzmatazz. Its blazing star, Larry Owens, is barely off stage the entire time. When he is, it's for a quick change. And you can hear the weariness in his voice as he gives his last ounce of energy to his final song. Michael R. Jackson's roller coaster, big, black, and queer-ass American Broadway creation, asks impossible things of its writer, a shattering level of self-examination and rude candor. Its rude lead actor, Owens flays himself alive, and not least from its audience. It doesn't end exactly, so much as it pushes to its outer limit of endurance. Even the music dwindles into a repeated phrase of four notes. Jackson, a lyrical and musical talent with deep wells of invention, has dropped the bucket down as many times as it will go. Now, Ashley, when this show first went on sale, this was one of those things that every theater insider was like, you've got to get tickets, you got to get tickets, yes. you got to get tickets. Uh, again, it just extended, so if you haven't gotten tickets, you can now. And it seems like all of that pub, even if it didn't work perfectly, it was warranted because it was definitely something that was different and unique and special yes. from these reviews. Yeah, I think A Strange Loop is one of those pieces that every queer writer either has in their head all the time or has written this kind of show about being a queer writer while doing the work you hate. And it's really just a matter of how you portray that internal chaos and that self-consciousness and essentially lifelong existential crisis you know shows about writers writing about writing <laughs> aren't exactly <laughs> new and more specifically theater writers writing about theater writing tick tick boom is maybe the most similar one i think of and playwright man uh, amber treadway had my favorite quote on twitter about it that a strange loop takes the baton from tick tick boom lights both ends on fire and twirls it up and down 42nd street <laughs> burning the entire theater district to the ground but michael r jackson's views are new and i 
you know, I think what tends to happen a lot with writers of color and especially queer writers of color is that shows don't get produced because on paper they sound like other shows, which means that everyone needs to go see A Strange Loop. So revered works keep getting produced off Broadway, if not on Broadway. Yeah, and that actually transitions into our next story perfectly, mm-hmm. because yesterday the theater group, the Kilroys, announced their fifth annual version of The List, which is, yes. well, a list uh, of un- or underproduced plays that is designed to bring attention to shows by women, trans, and non-binary authors, so that theater companies across the country will produce them. Uh, How it works is that nominators from every state in the country who see or read at least 40 plays per year send in their selections anonymously, and the 33 most mentioned plays are included. The Kilroys say that 100 plays that have previously appeared on the list have been produced or have productions planned, including Martina Mayuk's Cost of Living, which won a little thing called the Pulitzer Prize. Now, Ashley, being where I am, I don't tend to see or even read many un- or underproduced plays, Mm -hmm. but there are some names, both of the shows and authors on here that I recognize, including a few shows that have or will have New York runs in the next year. So I encourage everyone to check out the list, seek out these works, seek out these authors, because A, it's helps you know bring representation to the writing ranks of theater but also you never know who uh the next pulitzer prize winner might be and they might just be on the list yeah and it's groundbreaking work all of it the fact that this year's list has made a departure from previous years and included exclusively people who haven't been on the list before i mean it's sad that that feels radical but only 22 percent of plays produced nationwide are written by women so you know check out the list All right. So let's finish off with some other stories here, Ashley, as we wrap Mm -hmm. everything up. First, we already knew that Tony winner Katrina Link would be joining Jason Robert Brown and Stephen Joshua Sondheim for their concert at the Town Hall on Monday. But yesterday, we also learned that Shoshana Bean, Joshua Henry, and Rob McClure will also be a part of that event. Ashley, I feel like we need the theatrical version of a designated survivor. Because if (laughs) something happened at that event, that would be way too much musical theater talent to lose at one time. Are you... Are you going to this event by any chance? Uh, I'm I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. Fair. I get I get paid at the end of the week, so we'll see what happens then and how ambitious I'm feeling about spending a lot of money. Understood. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next up, yesterday, Brooklyn's St. Anne's Warehouse announced this 2019-2020 season, and it will include Oscar nominee Ruth Nega playing Hamlet, the American premiere of Daniel Kitson's Keep, a transfer of the German production of Eduard Luis's History of Violence, which will be presented in German with English subtitles, and there will be a return production of The Jungle, which had a sold-out run at St. Anne's uh, last year and then went to San Francisco and apparently is coming back. I saw it. It's great. So if you get a chance to see it again uh anyway also on tuesday theater row announced their new leadership team which will be headed by sarah hughes as the director of artistic programming now ashley i don't know a ton about hughes other than the fact that she worked for years with the elevator repair service and she's an alum of the civilians but i did see on twitter helen shaw said that hughes is one of the leaders in the experimental theater community and Mm -hmm. that's not what I think normally jives with the type of programming that's done at Theater Row. Sure. Um, so not that there's anything wrong. I've seen a lot of shows at Theater Row that I really like. But uh, so this really excites me to see what Hughes is going to do with this multi-theater venue. So we'll have to yeah. check that out. 
Helen Shaw is exactly who I was going to quote because she called her a seriously in the trenches experimental theater maker. And that couldn't be close to the truth. As you said, she worked at Elevator Repair Service and Target Margin Theater. I can't wait to see the work that comes out of Theater Road going forward. Very cool. Um, And finally, the Tony Awards Administration Committee announced the 53 people who will be Tony nominators, my dream job, for the 2019-2020 season. Here are some of the first-time nominators. We've got uh, Becky Ann Baker. uh, We have Kathleen Chalfont, Jill B.C. Duboff, uh, Kamala Forbes, who's the executive producer at the Apollo Theater. Um, we've also got, um, let's see, Antoinette Nawandu, Neil mm-hmm. uh, Neil Patel, Binge Pasek, um, and some other folks. And they're joining some other names who are returning to the list because they go in three-year cycles, uh, like Christopher Diaz, Jerry Dixon. Um, let's see who else here. Uh, Katori Hall, Ann Harada, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, uh, Sue Keenan Bolger, Priscilla Lopez, Martina Mayuk, and uh, Daphne Rubin Vega, and some others. So uh, a, a great list. They are the people who are going to hold the nominations in their hands as we know this list will probably not end up being a total of 53 people because as uh people are become involved with shows and as shows come to broadway they have to recuse themselves from nominations that's why celia keenan bolger who was technically announced last year did not end up being a nominator because she was in the season so um and tim fetterly i think who was on this list again too he had to dip out for one reason or another so mm. uh great list again my dream job eventually if i move to new york like this will be my sole and singular po- focus is to uh, eventually get on this list somehow there you go listen to matt yeah, invite anyway. him on the nominating committee yeah seriously i don't live there but <laughs> I, I would move for this anyway uh for more information on this or any of the stories in today's show please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com and of course thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt ashley where can people find you you can find me on twitter and instagram at no this is ashley okay thanks for spending part of your hump day with us have a great wednesday and ashley and i will be back to talk to you on thursday